think in general we're seeing a lot more moves towards other traits other than just production. But we've got to remember production is the core of it. Uh, but I think we're going to see more and more both environmental traits, but animal health and welfare as well. So things like parasite resistance or even resistance to facial eczema are sort of popping up on our radar, and we'll be we'll be looking at the sort of the feasibility of of taking on some of those challenges as well. Because I think the future is going to need we're going to need animals which are robust to health challenges as well as production challenges and you know we can tell good stories around those traits from an animal welfare perspective which I think is another huge looming issue for our industry to make sure we're ahead of the curve. The Informing New Zealand Beef Program is a seven-year sustainable food and farmer futures partnership supported by the Ministry for Primary Industries, Beef and Lamb New Zealand and the New Zealand Meat Board. It aims to boost the sector's profits by $460 million over the next 25 years. The programme is on a mission to give breeders and farmers the tools to produce great-tasting beef. Backed by a strong environmental story, while at the same time improving production efficiency. Throughout the Informing New Zealand Beef podcast series, we will be diving into the detail of the program to help farmers and the sector improve the performance of the New Zealand beef industry. Well, welcome to the third episode of the Informing New Zealand Beef podcast series. I'm Sarah Periam-Lamp, your host. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been diving into the detail around this program and how it's set to help farmers and the sector improve the performance of our New Zealand beef industry. So today, we've got Dr. Jason Archer, who is Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics Livestock Specialist, and Sam Harburg, who is a consultant working on uh, this particular survey with Abacus Bio. They are here to give us further insights into the program and uh, talk a little bit about this cattle trait survey that I understand gentlemen uh, kicked underway in 2022. So let's start with you Jason, formerly at Abacus Bio as well, so nice um, connection there. Why did we need to actually do a New Zealand specific survey around what traits New Zealand beef farmers want? Yeah we did this survey for two reasons. Um, One is because uh, in our program we'll look at developing some traits that aren't available to New Zealand breeders. Um, So we wanted to obviously know um, what people thought were the real top priorities. And the other reason for doing the survey is, and this goes back, I guess, to my previous life when I was an advocacy consultant, um, doing the surveys is a great way to get a feeling for what people are wanting before we actually create indexes so it gives you a really good strong feel for what breeders um, and farmers what directions they want to go with traits what emphasis they want to have have on traits um, yeah what do they think is important what do they rank as less important so it, the survey was really trying to fill those two needs really yeah and um, Sam I understand you've been with Abacus for four years uh, crossing the ditch from Australia so I can only imagine it would differ quite a lot between what Australia and New Zealand beef farmers are after and chasing. Um, in, to some extent it did Sarah um, at the top of the the priority traits you still saw um, maternal traits so fertility, cow functionality, calving ease which you'd consider to be quite important in most Australian contexts, but in other areas there was um, there, there was a bit of divergence to what I'd expect to see in Australia. So you started seeing more um, emphasis on growth, feed efficiency is the next most important uh, group of traits and carcass traits were sort of a bit, fur- and eating quality traits were a bit further down the list, whereas typically in Australia where there's been 
a lot more emphasis and hype placed around um, around marble score and incentivising marble score. You're seeing a bit more um, traction for those type of traits in um, in breeding programs, particularly for breeds like Angus and Wagyu over in Australia. Absolutely. Um, what I found quite good uh, is that the farmers surveyed, Jason, actually do really embrace EBVs. That's a great start before we even go down this track of creating indexes too. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and I guess that's the... You know, EBVs have been around for quite a while now, 30, 30 plus years. Um, I guess the challenge for us with EBVs is to really accurately describe what they want in their breeding objective, right? So, for example, bigger isn't always better. Um, and the danger of EBVs is that people can turn them into a into a foot race, whereas actually for some traits, we want to sort of stay in the middle of the road. Um, so working out where we want to be and how we... Um, how we make our selection decisions and our selection indexes to to accommodate those sort of issues like we um, like wanting to be in the middle of the road rather than right at the top um, is is part of what we need to do in this program. I'm really interested to know how you went about the methodology of the survey. I understand you had over 700 responses, was it, Sam? Uh, so how did you actually ask those key questions and find out? The results around which traits farmers are chasing. So the survey was uh, was an online survey, and it was heavily promoted and marketed by um, by beef and lamb through all their social media channels, a lot of field day um, promotion, and we left it open for I think it was close to two months uh, to, to get as many responses as possible. So we had really good engagement from the commercial end of the spectrum, um, and there was also another quarter of the responses were from uh, were from finishers as well. So um, we had really good buy in from the commercial segment we also had uh, representation from obviously the um, the stud breeding uh, sector and also rural professionals and other um, and other associated stakeholders so we sampled a really good segment of the industry and um, and essentially it was just a really simple online survey it took people I think that about 15 minutes to half an hour to complete depending on how fast they work through it and it was split into two components so there was a component that we call the demographic component that focused on asking a lot of um, questions around um, around sort of breeding preferences uh, understanding the segment of the industry that people were from and then we used uh, what we call con- conjoint analysis or, or a thousand minds survey to do a um, trade-off type analysis that allowed us to um, to better understand people's true trait preferences um, by asking them to make decisions about what uh, breeding outcome they'd, con- they'd, they'd prefer based on a comparison between two potential traits. Yeah, absolutely. It's all in how you ask the right question to get the right results um, ultimately too. And we know that breed societies here in New Zealand, Jason, are a active part of having um, good engagement. And uh, I understand there's an industry advisory group that you've also had around this. Uh, yes, um, our program has an industry advisor group and it's got a technical advisor group as well. So, um, yes, yeah, it's pretty important that we stay close to uh, what the industry wants and that actually we are making good technical decisions as well. So that hence the two groups. Um, with the work that Abacus Bio does internationally, Sam, what were you able to pull on around other beef genetic evaluation programs? Yeah, so in parallel to the survey, um, Beef and Lamb also asked, also asked us to do a um, review of global beef evaluations to look at traits that were in implementation that were implemented in genetic evaluations overseas that could represent gaps that um, and potential new traits for inclusion in um, New Zealand beef evaluations. So we reviewed, I think it was. Um, 
close to eight or maybe 10 different uh, global beef evaluations from Australia, the UK, Ireland, the US, Canada, and came up with a list of about um, 30 potential traits that um, that uh, are currently not available to New Zealand beef producers, but uh, are um, implemented overseas or uh, also uh, or rather than being implemented overseas, could also be um, areas of active research overseas. Mm. Was there any major surprises, Jason, and what came out of the survey findings? Uh, look, I don't think there were any huge surprises from there. I mean, I think if you've been around the industry enough, you know that New Zealand farmers do tend to be very focused on the performance of their maternal cows, and that certainly came through in the index uh, in the in the survey results. Uh, as Sam said earlier, perhaps a little bit less around carcass quality, but that is changing. You know, it's really only eight or nine years since um, we've started to have carcass quality premiums being paid in the industry, and uh, that's only increasing now. There's, you know, there's multiple programs paying those, so so that's changing too. Uh, but no, I, I don't think there are any surprises. Um, I guess maybe environmental traits were towards the bottom of the list from a from a New Zealand survey point of view. Um, that's a fairly controversial topic at the moment, but I even think that you know our our views on these things are changing pretty rapidly. Um, and you know even in the last twelve months, I dare say if we did it again, we might get a slightly different result, um, or perhaps a more diverse result. So like I think there'll be people that will um, put increased emphasis on that sort of um, thing. I guess I'm talking about traits like um, methane production and feed efficiency. Uh, there'll be people that put more emphasis on that now probably than even twelve months ago, but there will also be people that um, that rate them um, as low targets. So yeah, yeah, and is it, but feed efficiency I see here is ranked um four out of the top ten traits. Uh, so that's actually quite a good interconnection with that uh, environmental element, um, just as much as of course um the fundamentals of a healthy animal. So yeah, good to good to see. I, I'm thinking you you now take the results from that and then you start to build the evaluation system based on the need. Is there a system, Sam, to constantly be um, checking in for future development if there is changes, as Jason said, to demand for different things? I think uh, conscious of speaking for beef and lamb, um, but I think uh, people like Jason um, monitor global developments in the genetic evaluation space and are aware of what uh, new traits people are implementing over the, uh, overseas and are constantly looking for those um, for opportunities to integrate new traits into um, into New Zealand breeding programs. I think what is important is that. To a large extent, um, beef and lamb has the right um, infrastructure in place in the context of its um, of its two progeny test programs to be able to potentially collect phenotypes for certain hard to measure traits um, relatively easily um, in some cases. So it's more about um, it's more about looking at those opportunities that pop up overseas and and figuring out ways to um, to integrate them into those existing uh, progeny test programs. Um, Jason, on that. Yeah, look, a uh, couple of things, I suppose. Like from our program's point of view, we probably want to have a fairly balanced portfolio. So we, you know, there are some, I think, relatively easy to achieve, easy wins um, that we could make, and that would be traits like um, body condition score of cows, potentially teeth and udder confirmation, 
um, and and maybe a little bit more challenging, but possible um, some improvements to fertility evaluations. On the other end of it, we have the really difficult sort of I guess you call them big hairy audacious goals, which is things like methane and feed intake. Feed intake is certainly um, a high priority with with a lot of producers, and that you know comes down to its its impact on on farm profitability. If I look at internationally, um, and you know I've been working. Um, we'll go into the US for probably seven or eight years in terms of doing some international work over there, um, particularly my previous role with Abacus. And the change that we're seeing over there is pretty pretty marked. So probably four or five years ago, never heard any mention of environment um, in in the lights of uh, the conference, the, you know, the breed association conference that I tend to go to. Um, last year, um, environmental sustainability was um, the whole first morning of the conference. Um, it's also a big highlight of uh, of the next one that's coming up um, in July. So uh, I guess that's just a, an indication that actually the world is changing in terms of um, thinking around breeding objectives. And I think in general, we're seeing um, a lot more moves towards other traits other than just production. But we've got to, we've got to remember production is the core of it. Uh, but I think we're going to see more and more um, both environmental traits, but animal health and welfare as well. So things like parasite resistance or even resistance to facial eczema are sort of popping up on our radar, and we'll be we'll be looking at the sort of the feasibility of um, of taking on some of those challenges as well. Because I think the future is going to need um, we're going to need um, animals which are robust to to health challenges as well as um, pr- pr- production challenges. Um, and you know we can tell good stories around those traits from an animal welfare perspective, which I think is another huge looming issue for our for our industry to to make sure we're ahead of the curve. On yeah, welfare. wonderful. Um, I'm I'm just reading here within the full report, which I understand you can get on the Knowledge Hub on the Beef and Lamb uh, New Zealand website, is that you ultimately are working towards uh, an ability to select animals based on New Zealand specific indexes. It says here that there's a de- potential development of sub indexes to break up and summarise the different genetic merit. Um, Jason, can you explain a little bit more about that? Uh, yep. So um, right now. Um, I guess in New Zealand we're used to receiving sort of one index number which describe, which um, attempts to describe the whole profitability of the animal but actually it's really useful to break that down too so um, for example if you look at work that we've done um, in, in the US um, we might be looking at okay there's a sub-index for cow-calf profitability and there's a sub-index for finishing performance and there's a sub-index for um, carcass quality and so when you have a look at those numbers it's not just one number which you can get to a variety of ways you're sort of starting to get a better understanding of okay this this bull has real strengths and it's replacement daughters or it's got some really good carcass attributes or something like that um, I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of being able to layer that information down so we might be looking at an overall index then we might be able to breaking it down to some sub indexes and then we might look at some of the, the relevant traits or even the full suite of traits that are available so that different people with I guess different needs or different levels of expertise can can get a, a quick handle on what an animal is good for um, the strengths of an animal um, really easily and simply I think one of our challenges um, 
is that we can go on producing more and more numbers, more and more EVVs. It just gets more and more complex for the commercial bull buyer who really only thinks about these things one day of the year, right? They've got a lot of other things to think about in their farming business. So um, being able to summarise information um, to the right level without making it sort of oversimplified um, is really what the sub-indexes are about. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Sam, and from your experience, both in Australia, here in New Zealand, um, what was it uh, most exciting for you to be involved in seeing New Zealand really come into its own and own its own set of beef uh, traits? Oh, look, I think uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand farm system is is very much unique and having its own evaluation that incorporates traits that are that are specific and relevant to New Zealand, indexes that are specific and relevant to New Zealand is ultimately going to put the uh, industry on the front foot going forward. Um, you know, reliance on international systems where... Um, where, where, where traits and indexes and methodologies that underpin those um, those reflect uh, requirements of, uh, of of other countries is is suboptimal, and uh, you know certainly having greater control over what gets implemented and how um, and how key components of the genetic evaluation system are built is ultimately for the benefit of the New Zealand industry. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, gentlemen. Sam Harburg, consultant at Abacus Bio, who worked uh, on the cattle trait survey, and Dr. Jason Archer, beef and lamb New Zealand genetics livestock specialist. Very exciting to see the positive impact that the Informing New Zealand uh, beef program is having on the New Zealand beef industry and what is in store ahead. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the Informing New Zealand Beef podcast. And of course, check out our other episodes where we've caught up with Dan Breyer and Gemma Jenkins, as well as Anna Boyd. Until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.